Hello and welcome to Talking La Liga. It has been quite a while really since our last podcast, but we're back with something that should be of plenty of interest really at the end of the season. There's always a lot of things to be covered, a lot of changes coming up, and we're going to be focusing this week on Real Betis. Uh, I'm Simon Harrison, and as ever, I am joined by David Cartledge. Hello. And while we're recording this podcast... um, a couple of days after the close of La Liga season. We're recording it the day after Kike Setien. It's announced that he won't be continuing at the club after two years. And, well, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, there's possible underachievement, uh, recruitment, what they're looking to do in the future, why Setien wasn't the right man for the job. Um, But really, I suppose the first thing to address is the fact that Real Betis this season, after seeming to be going on the up, they finished tenth. Yeah, um, and it's you know they, they finished tenth with fifty points uh, last season. It was six to sixty, um, but then you know I think <laughs> we're going to have to weigh everything up and balance everything in this podcast. I think it's in, I think it's important to do that because it, we'll we'll touch on it later. I think a little bit about the city and the feeling inside Betis is you, you know support. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, yes, they have finished lower than they did last season. And they do have less points, but I guess they they also had a you know a Copa del Rey uh, campaign which they went uh, far in and the Europa League as well. They had uh, to contend with, um, so that's an extra strain on the squad. So I think it's potentially understandable that the uh, the league form dropped off a little bit. You do sacrifice sometimes um, when you're rotating a squad, and, and I still don't think better as a squad is is particularly. You know, large. Um, so yeah, I guess we we just have to balance everything out. <laughs> and, and while we look at why he's gone, the feeling, but also why he potentially could have stayed. Well, I mean, first of all, I suppose um, take it back to when he first signed for the club. I mean, he was signed with a particular kind of project and vision in mind. You don't hire a manager like Kike Setien if you're not prepared to back him. That's why he signed um, more of a long-term deal than the managers probably normally would in Spain. Um, he obviously comes with the pedigree of, of Las Palmas doing doing so well there on quite thin resources, really, getting them playing a certain style. It's an attractive style of football, which you know the fans are, are meant to really get on board with, identify with, understand that they're playing football the right way. But really, I mean, all of these things which were the positives and it was the reason why he was brought to the club, um, in the end, it's almost as much to blame for the reason why he's sort of been let go. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the style, the the identity um, that he pervades has, has kind of frustrated a lot of people because ultimately I think it's hindered them at times um, that they haven't been able to play in a more direct um, ruthless manner. Uh, end, you know, he said himself. He, you know, I think he pointed out uh, the game against Sevilla. They, you know, Betis had five, six chances, but nobody could put one away. So then you look. Was he, if he, if he was given a proper striker, say he had Gerard Moreno, Borja Iglesias, you, you know, someone of this ilk, uh, Stuani Partu, someone of this ilk up front, then would things have been? A lot, lot different. Would Betis be higher in the league? Would they have gone further in the Europa? Um, I think that's a big point. I think the lack of a, a striker. I think they failed in the summer. 
yes, they built the team nicely. They got some key pieces in. They acted well on the free transfer market. Absolutely. Um, but they didn't get a striker, in, and they had two chances, summer and then January. Um, all they did in January it was, it was get rid of Tony Sanabria, you, you know, get rid of a striker. And, and yes, they brought Hesse in, but he's not really out and out nine. They needed somebody, a goal scorer, somebody ruthless, a poacher. Um, didn't get it. Um, and I think it was always going to be uphill from then on because that was the main problem. And everyone knew it. It became a running joke, really. I know we left a few joke tweets about them talking La Liga and, and their lack of a striker and, and how many chances they take to you know to before they score um, and that's that's hurt him as well I think yeah I mean if you look at well Betis in the the 2017-18 campaign their top mm. scorer of that campaign if you can really believe it was Sergio Leon with 11 in the league um, yeah. and Sanabria with eight Loren with seven but those seven goals came in only 15 games and then and the likes of Teo Joaquin Fabian uh, chipping in with a few here and there and and then when you look at it from this season I mean you've mentioned that they fell in the transfer market and mm-hmm. and really if you looked at those figures from 17-18 you're thinking that okay it's it's a good haul really from Leon and Sanabria given that they've struggled um, to, to kind of take the step up and, and really step up to the plate but it's crying out that they need a striker that can score you know yeah. your kind of 20-25 goals because I mean, it's kind of proven this season. You, you've got the likes of Celta and Girona where they, they've relied heavily on one goal scorer and they still really, really struggled. I mean, Celta and Girona going down to the final day and that's with a top striker. I mean... <laughs> and I, I think they were probably lacking the identity, the style. That's the funny thing. The build-up was all fine, I think, from Betis, to be honest with you. The, the defence, fine, OK, yes, you know it's not perfect. But it was just the striker that let them down. When they got in the final third, there was a lot of trouble, I thought. Um, and you know it's why La Celso finishes top scorer, nine goals, Canales is next with seven. And then you have to go down to look at your striker. You, have, you look at Loren Moron, who's on, he's finished with six goals, um, and that's your striker. Um, I mean, Christian Teo has got four, and he played wing-back sometimes. You know, I know some are coming from direct free kicks. But it just goes to show the lack of actual natural firepower that they had. And, and, and you touch on Sergio Leon. He's somebody that set Ian completely outcasted. He just said, right, okay, he's not going to be in squads anymore. He, you know, he, he's not in my plans. Tony Snabry was obviously sold, and I was a big fan of him, and I feel like the fans really got on his back. So it's it's strange. Again, it's so funny. There's, there's You have to balance everything out in this situation because, they, like I say, um, you know, set Ian isn't fully to blame. The fans aren't fully to blame, and Sarah and the, the sporting department aren't entirely to blame. But I think... Everyone can take something uh, from this, this as to as to why it's come to an end. Yeah, I mean, you, you can take from the fact that while well, Sergio Leon and Sanabria they combined last season to be the top two goal scorers in the league. Neither mm. of them had really too many chances this season. Yeah. In and and then when you look at, I mean, the, the likes of Lauren and, and Hesse scoring eight goals between them, um, <laughs> it's just nowhere near good enough for a side that's got aspirations of finishing anywhere near the top sort of six. You wouldn't yeah. expect a side, no matter how. Um, talented they may be or how good the manager may be if you've not got those strikers doing what needs to be done and, and, and really polishing up the, the end of the blade I mean I mean, you're going to struggle and I think for maybe yeah. Betis fans it, it makes it even worse when you look at like Jorge Molina um, guiding Getafe to the Europa League and scoring goals and looking as, as fresh as ever yeah. um, and also you've got Ruben Castro obviously you know getting on 
um, getting on a bit, but dropping down to Segunda and, and doing a job there and scoring goals. It seems as though a lot of the strikers that Betis have had in recent years are scoring goals away from the club, whilst the strikers at the club can't seem to hit a barn door. I just feel um, as they, they thought they could move on from them and get a better calibre of player, but inevitably that better calibre of player did not arrive. And that's why I'm kind of like, okay, like, look, if you're going to move on this player, then make sure you have a replacement in mind who is as good or who is better. Because that's what Betis are trying to do. They're trying to progress. They're trying to not be a yo-yo club anymore. They're not trying to be mid-table club. They are trying to be a top, top club. So you can't operate, you know, in this mediocre fashion, I don't think. You know, if you are going to move on Tony Sanabria, then you need to say, right, okay, we're going to get somebody better than him. They didn't do that. And, 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 and that's fact. They just they just did not get anybody better. Hesse hasn't done anywhere near enough. And look, I'm not putting the sole blame down to him. I, I I look again, I look for this one, I look at the people behind the scenes. I look at the likes of Sarah. I ask what you know, what have they been doing? Why couldn't they look been get the, the mark a little bit better? Why couldn't they have signed Jaime Matter on a free transfer? You know, things like this. Yeah, I mean it, it really does sort of run the point home where, you know, set, uh, Betis wants to be a bigger club. That can mean at times that you know you need to spend the big money to get certain players in, but then you can also look around the league and you can find players, you know, the likes of Stuani, uh, Mata, Maxi Gomez, all these sorts of players. You know that they weren't brought in for for much money at all. I mean, you can find these strikers around, and and I just sort of worry that maybe, you know, Betis they've not been afraid to maybe push the boat out a little bit in terms of their spending, but has that come at a kind of price that now? They're paying a premium for players that they don't necessarily need. I mean, they're good players, but they don't—they're not vital. And then maybe the the recruitment hasn't been quite as good when it comes down to the actual necessities. Because I think in terms of the transfer window this season, they added a lot of value to the squad in terms of they brought in players that were very important in terms of having the depth required for playing across multiple competitions. I think when you look at bringing in players like Sydney. That makes sense. Um, replacing Adan with the likes of Powell and Joel, those are both good deals as well. Um, you look at adding maybe a player like Takashi Inui. Maybe he doesn't suit the style of play too well, but you know he's a player that could maybe offer something from wing back. Or you know they tried to play him centrally and it doesn't really work out. Um, Barragan come, came in permanently. Um, you've got like well, I suppose you you look at the deals from last summer and you think that William Carvalho coming in for twenty million euros, he'd be expected to take central midfield up to a new level, especially having sold on Fabian. He hasn't done that. Yeah. They've next spent biggest on Diego Lanes, and he, he will be you know he he will be a talented player, but for the moment, given that Betis fans demand immediate results, spending so much money on him. Is that potentially the best way to, you know, keep the walls from the door? It is a little bit mixed because you can take all these deals individually and you can think all of these deals make some sense, they can all contribute in some way. But when the biggest necessity has kind of been ignored or neglected, yeah, I mean I, I think that you really have to look at Sarah Ferrer for this and, and look at all the things that he's done well and appreciate that but at the same time I think he's massively let down his coach and if it wasn't clear enough at the end of last season that they needed a better striker then that should have been rectified in January and obviously that is an incredibly tough market to sort of get your head around and in the end they ended up with a player which you know he's just sort of been a burden for a lot of clubs yeah absolutely and I think that you've touched on Surfer. I think it's important probably to lead into this now and and basically look at you. You know, I know you had a few lines from um, 
Setien's farewell and you know his last press conference was fantastic I thought it was so so insightful and on many levels in terms of his style and how he plays his identity but I think the most interesting was actually talking about Betis as a club the fans the people down there in Andalusia in in, in, in Sevilla I think that was really important because that has it's played a factor. It's it's been a factor here. It's been a major factor. It's been as big as any other. Um, and I think uh, uh, from, from Kika Setien left a little, you know, carta uh, uh, last night, just saying his his goodbyes. And he didn't mention Sarah Ferrer. And it's funny he was asked on he was asked on uh, last night on the radio. Oh, um, why have you not um, you, you know uh, left? Uh, why have you not mentioned Sarah Ferrer? And uh, he go in Setien goes, oh, I forgot to put him. And then uh, they said, oh, is that ironic? And then they said, oh, well, take it as you want. So Setien, there's clearly been a falling out there. And Setien also said, basically, they haven't been in contact. That's the sporting director and the coach, not in contact. I mean, You'd be thinking coming up to the summer, that would be, you know, number one priority, (laughs) wouldn't you? So it's clearly shown that the plans aren't there for him. Yeah, that's a big of a breakdown at a club as you can get. When you're sporting director, you you know, your, your, your main link, your main channel. Um, you know the guy who says oh what type of players do you want or how's it going with this squad why is this player not working if you guys haven't spoken in months during the final stretch of the season the most run uh, you know high pressure one important one then yeah that's a big problem um, Setien said the decision was taken a few days ago uh, basically and you know he's known about it for a little while um, but it's his relationship with the fans has been such an interesting one Um Betis' fans are coming out of this, I think, on the outside. So everybody looking in, somebody who's not a Betis fan, somebody who doesn't live, live in the city of Sevilla. A lot of Barcelona fans, obviously, because they've got vested interest, I think, in Setien. Um, you know, there's a lot of parts to this. So everybody outside is kind of saying, oh, Betis fans are being demanding. They've got to understand, you know, like, sorry, they've got to look at what Setien's done here. Um which is which is okay. I understand that completely. Looking outside, you know, and I think Setien as well. He's touchy. Said he's never had any problems in the street or anything, but he's had a few run-ins and, and he's heard everything what's been said in the stands about him. And I, I remember um, one particular time, people were getting on his back, and he turned around and 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 said, "Go f yourself," basically. When I think when the pressure just got a little bit too much, and but then, it's it's funny. Um, and Setien again in this brilliant press conference said it's it's not easy for a guy from the north like me he's from he's from Galicia um, um, to understand the passion which things are lived in in, in 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 Sevilla I think what he's trying to say there is said sometimes forget your emotion your passion and, and think a bit more logically um, and and that has been I think hard for Betis fans to to do yeah definitely I mean I, I think he is very much you know he he didn't accept um, a deal with Bet until it was a long-term one, until he knew he had the backing. Mm. And that almost, he wants to construct his way of playing almost without pressure. And, and really, I mean, that just can't happen uh, for a club like Betis. I mean, I think it's also true in in Valencia, in, in Sevilla as well. I think that all these different clubs, you know, the, the, the expectations are really high. Um, and it's almost as though, you know, Setien, he wants to... Well, I'm sure that in his mind, you know, he's thinking logically, he's thinking step by step, he can see the progress. But if it's not blindingly obvious, then perhaps Betis fans don't think that you're doing a good enough job. If you need to sort of go and, and point to statistics or point to your philosophy or, you know, argue. And I think that one thing that 
kind of Setien came across quite badly with this season was criticising other teams' styles of play. Um, that was, that was and, really- and really, I, I think that it's quite out of... I think it almost showed just how out of his comfort zone that Setien was because we've never really seen Setien portrayed by, well, himself or by anyone else as sort of an egotistical sort of manager. He hasn't ever sort of professed to be sort of some kind of messiah to the game or anything like that. It's just very much been, he likes technical football. That's how he played it when he was a player. He wants that to happen. Um, And when he was at Las Palmas, I mean, that's always been a sort of a a culture where they want to play nice football. They want to give their technical homegrown players a chance. Um, and it matched, I think. It was a little bit maybe slightly more laid back in a way. And and he's sort of just been thrown into a city where you need to get these immediate results. And it doesn't help your cause either when the club is spending more than they have done for a while and performing better than they have done for a while as well. It only ramps things up further. Um, and, and that's fed on, I think, into the fans who are saying, look, we've got better players, we've got a better squad. This is the main point from the fans is that Look, we've got the best squad we've ever had. Setien even said that as well. He said we've got infinitely better, better players than we've had before at Betis. Um, and then to not get more, to, to not get the results against the likes of Huesca, um, with all respect to them. Uh, everybody knows what their place was this season. And, and that is the problem. You, you, you know, Betis' results against those other teams. Yes, they've, they've won at the Camp Nou, Bernabeu, uh, San Siro this season. But... Betis fans are looking, why haven't we beaten the smaller sides? Why haven't we competed there? Why haven't we, you know, beaten Levante, Hatafe, Leganes, Huesca, Rayo? What's happened there? Why have we come unstuck against there? And Betis fans are saying, look, if we're a big club, then we should be beating those sides. No matter how, we should be beating those sides, um, finding a way. And and they didn't. Um, so that, that's... That's what's annoyed them, I think, that, you know, everybody goes, oh, but they've won at the, they've won at the Bernabeu, they've won at Camp now. But, you, you know, that's what you've got to get in the psyche of a Betis fan. They're kind of like saying we need to compete better at a smaller level. And they haven't seen that motivation. They haven't seen that determination to, in those games, the, the games that aren't under the big lights and on TV. I mean, if I just pick a bit of an extract out of the uh, the sort of farewell letter uh, that Setien uh, put on Twitter the other night... Um, I mean, he, he goes on to say, uh, I say goodbye to Raul Betis while avoiding the temptation to remember a lack of respect, insults and any, basically how he's been undervalued, uh, which is sadly ever more common in the world of football. Um, it was never to do with reason, criticism or arguments. Uh, I've always accepted where I've gone wrong. I prefer to remember the acknowledgement and understanding of the majority of fans who've shown me care and enjoyed how the team have played and celebrated those five goals in the Ramon sanchez Pichuan. And, I mean, parts of it I agree with, and just parts of it I think... I don't know whether you can really say yourself that you've been undervalued. I think that's entirely down for other people to say. Um, And really, I can definitely get on board with the idea that, you know, it is more common in football at the moment. You know, there's more controversies, there's more almost tribalism and I think that also social media doesn't really help in terms of just amping things up and creating these narratives and everything's so extreme and polarised and there's no balanced thought it's either one thing or the other Um, but while Setian's saying this I mean he should have been advised that this was the case before he came to Betis because if there's somewhere if there's a club that you 
are going to take over at, you not only need to understand, you know, what sort of resources you have at your disposal, uh, mm. the players that you have, what you'll be given in the future in terms of transfer budget. I think you also need to understand, do I fit in here? Will I ever be accepted here? And I think that's a tough one because you can look at Valverde at Barcelona, for example. He could win a lot of trophies and I don't ever think that he will win the hearts and minds there. And I think it would always be the same for Setien. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I agree, absolutely. And funny enough, we've got even, even a kind of a similar situation with Bale. Everybody's like, oh, well, he's helped them win Champions Leagues. He's helped them do this. But has he been fully accepted? No, he hasn't. And sometimes just people aren't. They just aren't. It just, it's just how it is. They aren't a particular style of person or personality. And, and then they just don't fit in there. Um, and that's just how it is. And again, and Setien, he touched on it. He said, like, look, I'm a guy from the north. I'm in the south. We, we think about things differently. We move differently. Um, Spain is very culturally divided in different parts, you know, from Galicia to Andalusia, um, you know, from Catalonia to, to, to another part, to, say, the Basque country. You know, people have different ways. And, and, that, and that maybe has translated a little bit. And, and, and that's why it has been difficult. And... And that's why it's interesting to see where Betis go after this, um, which probably moves us along nicely to where, where they actually do look, um, because it's going to be an interesting uh, decision that they they have to make to to replace Setien, who has overall done a you know he's he's done a good job. I mean, this is a really good opportunity for, for whoever comes in next. I think at Betis, I mean, they've yeah. got they've got a very solid squad. They just need to address a couple of problem areas, and then they really should be a solid top six side. Obviously. It depends what other clubs do between now and the start of next season, but they're looking in incredibly good shape. Um, you look at the fact that you've got these fans who are so desperate for the club to succeed. Um, mm-hmm. The atmosphere at the Benito Villa Marine, that that's always sort of like a, an unnegotiable thing, that there will always be you know, packed out crowds there. Um, I think also it does help that this season Setien has led them to some good wins against you know the top three. Because it gives this group the belief that you know they can go and beat these teams, and you know we, we've said that the problem is they can't beat the smaller teams, but at least they've got the belief that they can go and they can sort of have this that they belong up there, you know that they can beat the teams around them up there. Um, and all in all, I mean that they've got the the academy, you know that that can offer maybe a few players here and there over the next few years. And and I think a lot of managers would be killing for this job. The only thing that might put them off is the fact that how Setien has sort of been ran out of town by the fans. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the pressure is immense. They have to understand there's what come. You know, you know, people. uh, You try to explain to them about Valencia as well, and then they're like, oh. They haven't won anything for years. Betis, oh, they haven't won anything for years as well. You, you know these teams, it doesn't matter. They are absolutely massive clubs. They're just unbelievably big. You've People's seen the atmosphere at, at, at Betis' ground. They, they've seen how it is there. They've seen the way the people think about their team. It's just different level. It's not disrespect anybody else. It's not to say that another team supports another, like, you, you know, their team better than another. It's not that. It's just that... Betis is just very, very different, and and they are a large club, and there is a weight of there is expectation there. They want to see a particular brand of football. They, I think they, you know, they're looking on it envy in envy it a little bit of uh, you know. I know Atafia's football isn't great or anything like that in terms of being eye catching, in terms of being at ten. I think it's great, but on a different level. Um, and Betis fans are looking at it and thinking, oh, why can't we a bit more, a bit more direct, a bit more ruthless? Why can't we just win a game 1-0 and, and, and piss everybody off 
you, you know, I think they want to do that a little bit. Um, but there has to be a balance. I think they do want a little bit of Setien, but they also want a little bit of Bordelas. It's kind of like finding that that that, that healthy medium. Maybe it could be Abelardo. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you think. Is is Abelardo the, the, the man? I mean, he's as of we're recording this podcast. I mean, today it's been announced that um, formally that he'll be leaving Alaves, and obviously he's leaving with his stock as high as it's ever been in management. Um, that the sort of the discussion would be at the moment with Luis Enrique, with with the problems he's got behind the scenes in his personal life, uh, with him not being involved with the Spanish national team in terms of actually being there in the flesh on the bench for the upcoming games against Sweden and the Faroe Islands. Um, it's been suggested that maybe Abelardo could be some kind of caretaker boss there, um, in which case maybe that would be, maybe that would get in the way in terms of Betis wanting to plan and, and, and get things going because just because Sarah Freire hasn't talked to Setien over the last few months doesn't mean that Sarah Freire hasn't been talking to everyone else possible to try and get the best outcomes for Betis going into this summer. Yeah, um, I think mean, if he didn't, so you, you know he's he's got to look at things. There's a lot to you know. There's a lot to go on. Um, I yeah, think for him, but I think with with Abelardo, I mean, they're definitely. I think that they would. He'd be a nice breath of fresh air for the fans in terms of he would want to have a level of intensity. He mm. would put quite a lot of stock in um, getting forward at pace, being quite aggressive, buying players who are quite intense, pacey, like to get at teams. And I think that that is the perfect tonic for what the Betis fans probably want to see because they've seen a lot of ponderous football. Um, I mean, they're coming out of a season where Isamandis like completed the most passes in the division, which is quite obscene. Um, that they've seen a lot of uh, whataboutery, and they've not seen their team very often sort of just go in for the kill. And I think that if you had Abelardo in charge, I think he could get enough out of their back four and their central midfielders to keep them a little bit more solid. And yeah. then they should have really... They'll need to bring in a striker. They'll need to maybe bring in one or two other attacking options. But I think they've got the basis for him to do what he likes to do. Um, I mean, he, he likes to try and win the ball back um, as high as makes sense without taking too many risks and then look to turn things over. And we've seen this season with Alaves. I mean, Johnny has been phenomenal. Uh, for, for Alaves um, Inui who was on loan from Betis he was very very good we've seen Ibai Gomez completely revitalise his career under him as well um, and, and really you know that kind of more cutthroat swashbuckling um, get forward get at teams be intense uh, and also I think Abelardo he's shown with how emotional he's been as a coach um, at different clubs that he's managed in the past that I think maybe he would understand the fans a little bit more as well I think it would translate really, really well. Um, Sporting, uh, where he comes from, where he grew up in in Hihon, they've got a great relationship with Betis. When Sporting were promoted uh, to Primera a few years ago, they did it on Betis's ground. They had the full support of uh, of Betis's supporters as well. So there's a good relationship there, and I think that would probably stand him in, in really, really good stead. I can, I can just see his first press conference right now. I've got great memories here. I already know that Betty's fans really, really well. And, and that would trans- and immediately he creates that connection. Um, that emotional connection, I think that Setien perhaps didn't really have with the, Bet- uh, with the Betty's fans from, from the get-go. I know they had some great moments together, and, and, and you know, but I think Abelardo, it would be interesting to see what he could do. I, I think Abelardo... Um, and then bringing in Johnny with him would be the the dream ticket. And then 
bring in a striker, obviously, um, of some sort. And uh, I know we've said Partu, Stoani, somebody like that. Um, you know, and you could see them, they could keep that style in midfield, I think. They could, you know, knit things together nicely. Abelardo does play some nice, his, his sides do play some nice football. I think even when he was at Sporting, he aspired to do that and he had such a horrible, horrible team and squad um, in, in terms of the level of players, but he still tried to profess some nice football. Um, and he's done so at Alves as well, but he also knows when to sit in and soak up pressure and break on the counter um, and, and kill teams off. Um, and I think that is important. I think that's what Betis need to think about. And, and can you imagine Betis with that sort of pace, with Lacelso, Johnny, uh, Lainez, Canales all streaming forward on a on a break, maybe four on one, uh, four on two? You know, I mean, that's that's a great you know picture I think image to have and also I think it would also help with Abelardo coming in I mean he wouldn't have to worry about it might almost be a blessing in disguise for a new coach that they did miss out on Europe because you know they can maybe that their eggs aren't split out in many many baskets yeah. and he knows you know that, that this side I mean it was shown before they qualified for the Europa League that they had more than enough to rotate and, and make things happen. And if they were to bring in, I mean, there's plenty of strikers that I think would be interesting to bring in. I mean, for 7 million euros, you can get uh, Christian Stuani. Um, that would be, you know, a perfect kind of signing for, for teams that want to be playing like Abelardo. I mean, Abelardo likes his wingers to get forward at pace, to drive, to, to cross the ball. Um, and I think if they were to bring in a striker such as in that sort of mould of Stuani. Yeah. I mean, we've seen other strikers at Alaves, you know, that they haven't set the world on fire, but he knows that the way that his sides play, he just needs a certain profile of striker. And if they're not scoring the goals, they're bringing out the best in, in those around them for them to contribute instead. Um, I mean, I can't really think of any any, any downsides for, for going with Abelardo. I, I know that some people might look at the fact that, you know, Alaves really, really fell away in the second half of the season, but you have to contextualise you know that they shouldn't have even been anywhere close in the first place. Um, people, I think people seeing there's a style change. They're saying, okay, for two years you've been building up with Seti and players, Seti and style. Is Abelardo a change? That's the big question. Is Abelardo too much of a change in the other way that you'd have to buy a lot more different type of players? I don't think it has to be. No. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not sure really. I mean, it, it's one of those where uh, obviously they've spent the last two years buying a lot of technical players, mm. um, all looking to kind of bed. Setien's philosophy in um, but I mean that doesn't mean that these players although they are technically gifted it doesn't mean that they can't you know offer themselves in different ways I mean maybe they would need someone with a little bit more steel in central midfield to maybe make them a little bit less flimsy at times but then you can also look at the fact that you know that they, they've got a player in Victor Camarasa who's been fantastic at Cardiff this season in the Premier League he comes back he's got a bit of size about him he's got he can He's not, you know, these. He's not a Guardado. He's not a player who's a bit more diminutive. He he is a player who, you know, he's got a bit of an ego about him. He's competitive. He wants to prove himself. Um, he was just cast out as certain players were under Setien, and and almost. I mean, it could also work in Apollo's favour that these players, yes, um, they've all been bought with a certain philosophy in mind, but. He's also, Setien probably alienated quite a few people. There are certain players like Joaquin who speak very well of him. Mandy mm. 
uh, William Carvalho, who speak very well of him. Um, it'd be a whole different kettle of fish for for some of these players who haven't featured as much, maybe under Setien in the you know the last half of the season. They can have this new coach come in, ask them to do things a little bit differently, maybe ask things to do things which suit them a little bit more. Um, because ultimately, you know, you've got a club that's gone from not really having a style um, to having a, an extremely set style in a very short space of time, and and that doesn't always mean that you're going to get the best out of all the players um, at your disposal. So, I mean, if Abelardo comes in, wants to mix things up a bit, I'm sure that it will give some players, you know, a broader spectrum of, of showing what they really can do because some players, you know, it might be as simple as they're just, they didn't enjoy playing under Setien maybe. Um, maybe they understood some of the fans' frustrations because, you know, it doesn't matter how good a coach is, some people in the dressing room are always going to disagree with what they're doing. Yeah, Absolutely. So we've talked through the better situation. We've talked through why Kika Setien has gone. Also, probably why he'll not be on the market as a free agent for all too long either. Um, we've discussed Abelardo, what he's done this season with Alaves, why that would probably translate to quite a decent match um, at the Benito via Marine. We've looked at, beyond Setien, why Betis have struggled this season, why they finished in 10th, why they've disappointed their fans, why any manager should be probably quite worried about moving to Seville and taking up the mantle if they're not too sure about what they're getting into. And we've obviously not done a podcast for a while. This is the first one probably since about December, I would say. Um, But this is a part of the season where there's a lot of things at play. There's a lot of pieces that are moving. There's a lot of speculation. There's plenty of things that we find very, very interesting and things that we really want to talk about. Um, sometimes doing things on a weekly basis um, kind of takes a bit of the I suppose you're not really cherry picking what you want to talk about as much it's it's sort of a forced uh, churn that week on week you're always covering the, the big news you want to cover every team you want to be fair uh, and instead we've decided that you know we're going to release something where it's about one team it's about something we're interested in and you know you can expect to hear some more of these over the next few months So um, we hope you enjoyed our return to podcasting and we will speak to you again soon.